to dive into the message today. Uh, and I want to invite you guys, if you've got your scripture, your Bible, to go ahead and uh, grab that or open up the YouVersion Bible app and just follow along. But we are in a series called Blessed and Bruised, where we are walking through uh, chapter by chapter 2 Corinthians, which is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. And, and what you'll see in, and we kind of hit on this last week, but just as a quick recap, is, is Paul is really addressing a few things, a few issues that were happening in the church in Corinth. See, the church in Corinth was very dysfunctional, a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt. Uh, and Paul's really wanting to address that. And what you see is the first part. Uh, you're going to see that he's really trying to address the division and the tension and bring reconciliation, forgiveness, and healing in the church. And then the second part, he hits on generosity. And then the third part of the uh, book is he really addresses uh, a false apostolic ministry. And he kind of corrects them and talks about what true apostolic ministry is. And in that, you see uh, one of my favorite parts in the Second Corinthians. Um, book is Paul talks about how in his weakness, God is his strength. And you see this kind of theme happening all throughout uh, scripture. You know, being a pastor, uh, one of the things I hear so often is how people have been offended and hurt by the church. Uh, maybe that's you. Maybe if, if you're watching online on Facebook or whatever, you've been hurt, you've been offended by the church, and it's caused you to disconnect from the body of Christ, to disconnect from a local community, um, because you don't want to experience that again. Uh, recently, our team had an opportunity to go down to the Experience Community Church, and Pastor Corey Trimble, uh, who's their lead pastor, uh, he ended up sharing his testimony while we were down there. And um, it, was, it was really interesting because of his background and uh, what he came from. God saved him. And then the church that he got saved in, he worked his way to be a youth pastor. And while he was a youth pastor, uh, he started really diving into the word of God. And he realized a lot of the doctrine that his church was teaching was actually incorrect from the scripture itself, which is why it's important to be doctrinally sound. And, and, and you know, the scripture is our authority whenever it comes to preaching and teaching. And so he ended up confronting his pastor about it. Uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of taking a long testimony and, and making it really short. But whenever he confronted his pastor about it, uh, his pastor excommunicated him from the church. But it didn't just stop there. What happened was the denomination that he was involved in ended up excommunicating him, uh, put a letter in a magazine that went out to all of the people in this denomination saying why they excommunicated him and completely shunned him. That then led him to start the Experience Community Church, which blew up uh, basically overnight and has now uh, become a relationship, a partner that we have here at City Church, and they've been able to pour into us. Um, but I just think it's interesting because God uh, allowed him to walk through this offense and, and, and to walk through forgiving them, but that ended up being the catalyst for God to really use him and to start the Experience Community Church, which really is a gospel-centered movement in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and, and beyond in the Nashville area. And so I don't know about you, if you've ever been hurt by church, um, I, I get it. I've been there. Uh, people I know that have been there. Uh, church is filled with imperfect, broken people. And yes, there will be offense that takes place. How we handle that offense, how we handle the rejection, how we handle uh, the uh, hurt that we may experience, that ultimately is on us. And that's what Paul ends up dealing with 
in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start in verse 5 real quick. He says, Now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. Meaning that if... Um, if, if there's a member of the body that is hurt, it isn't just that person that's hurt. It ends up affecting all of us. And, and think about it like this. We have our human body, right? Um, let's just say that I smashed my hand in the car door, right? Um, I'm not going to just say, oh, forget about my hand, right? I, I'm going to take my hand. I'm going to put ice on it, maybe take some ibuprofen or Tylenol to deal with the pain. But the rest of my body is going to end up being affected by the pain that my hand ends up experiencing. Same thing with any other uh, disease or issue that happens to our body. And so what Paul is saying is whenever one member of the body has ended up being affected, it ultimately affects all of us. And so City Church, let me put it this way. Whenever one of you guys are hurting, it should be all of us. Whenever there's an offense with one person in the body, all of us should be running to help bring healing and reconciliation to that. He continues on in uh, verses 6 through 9. He says, For such as one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that, that I might test you and know whether you are being obedient in everything. And, and what he's inviting us to do right here is essentially to walk out obedience and to walk out forgiveness to all people. And I want you to think about that. Because right now there are people that are popping in your head that you know of that maybe have offended you and you haven't forgiven them. Right now there are people maybe even in our local church who have caused uh, tension with you or, or said something about you and, and it, it, it's hurt you in some capacity. What are you going to do? How are you going to walk this out? Uh, even Jesus talks about how we should forgive seven times 77, meaning we should continuously forgive people who have caused offense to us. And then he says this in verses 10 and 11. He says, anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have been forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his design. Uh, what he's talking about right here is so um, important. It is the why to what we do. It is the why to why we forgive and, and how we should forgive. And, and let me put it this way. We forgive because Christ forgave us. Bottom line, the moment that you sit there and you hold an offense over someone, you hold bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone, you are withholding the grace of God that has been so generously extended to you. And I might even say that's borderline sinful for you. That's borderline sinful for you. Now, you might be sitting here saying, Michael, it's so hard to forgive this person. They've hurt me so bad. They've, they've um, attacked me. They've, they've uh, deframed me. They've whatever it may be. Listen, I, I know a guy um, who his sister, brother-in-law, and nephews and nieces were sitting one evening, and, and, and they had a good evening. This was right outside of Boston. Uh, they had a good evening as a family. They ended up going to bed. Somebody broke into their house and murdered the entire family, and he received the call. And because he was a Christ follower, he ended up choosing to forgive the murderer who murdered his family.
And true story, local guy that this ended up happening to. Um, it, it went on, the story went on as the guy came up for parole uh, several years later, probably a decade or two later, um, and, and this guy ended up going to the parole hearing to uh, essentially confront the guy. And at the parole hearing, the judge allowed this person to speak on behalf of the family. And he said, you should suffer the consequences for your actions, but because Christ forgave me, I forgive you and I love you. This is a guy who is literally speaking to the murderer in the courtroom who ended up murdering his sister and her family. Now, that takes grace. That takes Jesus empowering you to choose to forgive. And I don't think any of us have dealt with the situation as severe is that. So here's a few things I want to say about forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness is a choice that we must make daily. Look, if your husband or your wife has, has offended you somehow, if someone has talked bad about you, if there's been tension or division in the church, it's your responsibility to choose to wake up and to forgive them and to walk it out. And let me just say this, it takes time. It takes time. Number two, it's a choice for you, not for them. This, is, this decision that you make has nothing to do with them. The decision that you make has everything to do with yourself. And then number three, we are not responsible for how they handle it. Meaning you can go to them and you could say, hey, Nathan, I forgive you for X, Y, and Z, right? I'm, I'm using Nathan because he's sitting over here on the other side of the room making sure that this uh, ends up working, right? Uh, I choose to forgive you uh, for talking bad about me or for making fun of me or whatever, um, that decision is up to me and that decision ultimately affects me. What he does with my decision is completely up to him. It's completely up to him. And, and let me just say this, we will never truly experience true freedom in Christ if we live and we walk in bitterness and unforgiveness. The only way we can truly experience freedom in Christ is that we walk in forgiveness by forgiving others. Even Jesus said, so as you forgive, I also forgive you. The moment that we choose not to forgive is the moment that we give the enemy a foothold in our life, a foothold in our family, and a foothold in our church community. He continues on and he's going to shift just a little bit. And, and I kind of, I kind of love this and, and I want to, um, want to talk about it in kind of two sections. So hear me out. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13 and then we'll, we'll close it out. He says, when I came to Torres to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. Now you read that and it's kind of like what on earth is going on. And so with that, you got to dive into Acts chapter 18 and you kind of see this play out in Acts chapter 18. Essentially, he sent Titus to Corinth to go instruct the Corinthians uh, on behalf of the apostle Paul. Um, and then he was expecting Titus to uh, meet him in Torres so that they could kind of debrief or talk about it uh, there. Whenever he got to Torres, um, Titus was not there. And so Paul became grieved by that. He did what he had to do, but then he went on to go and try to find Titus, who ended up being in Macedonia. So a little bit of context there uh, for that, but you can read all about it in Acts chapter 18. But for time's sake, uh, we're going to keep things moving along. But 14 through 17, and catch this. But thanks be to God, 
who is in who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those whom are being saved and those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to other the fragrance of life to life who is sufficient for these things for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of uh, sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Notice how right there, uh, he's having this uh, letdown in Torres, and uh, he's wanting to chat with um, Titus, but in the middle of all of that, he ends up stating like, hey, there is victory in Jesus Christ. There's victory in Jesus Christ. And essentially, he's refocusing the Corinthians to get their focus on the triumphal procession and victory found in not just the cross, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, we have victory. And so let me just say this, wherever you are today, um, I want to encourage you to get focused on Christ. Um, I want to encourage you with your health to get focused on Christ. I want to encourage you with your finances to get focused on Christ. I want to encourage you in your relationships to get focused on Christ because in Christ and Christ alone, we can experience triumphal victory. And, and here's why. We know how the story ends. We know how the story ends and we know that Jesus Christ is king and he is returning as king on this earth. And then three other observations that I want to make as we wrap this up. Uh, number one, you see in this, and, and you see this all throughout 2 Corinthians, but really in this passage, you see Paul's labor and diligence for the work of the gospel. The second thing you see is his success or the fruit of the work of the gospel. Uh, the, the success or the fruit of Paul's ministry. Uh, and you can read all about this in Acts as well, about how Paul, everywhere he went, people were getting saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing you see is the comfort that he finds in his companions for the gospel. The comfort that he finds in his companions for the gospel. And so with those three, I want to kind of break this apart for, for just a moment and talk to us uh, just heart to heart. Um, we are broken people. All of us are broken people, and we have been redeemed if we uh, have put our full trust in Jesus Christ by the blood of Christ. We have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, all of us. And in our imperfections, God perfects us with his spirit, with his guidance, with his love, and with his wisdom. And so because of that, I want to challenge all of us to be like the apostle Paul, we should labor for the gospel. Paul labored for the gospel. We should labor for the gospel. And, and I want you to think about that for just a moment. The friends that you have, the co-workers that you have, the places that you go to, the Starbucks or coffee shops that you visit, everywhere we go is an opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially with us as we're coming upon moving into our new building. This is an opportunity to invite people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, let's labor for the gospel. Let's labor. You know, I, I love what Pastor Mike Todd says. Um, he says, everyone is praying for the harvest, but they don't realize that the harvest requires the church to actually work. 
Church, we're about to enter into a work season, and we are going to see people uh, come into our community, and it's going to be work for us, but with that work comes the harvest. So let's partner and let's labor together for the glory of God. The, the second thing you see um, is the fruit that Paul is experiencing in his life, right? All of our fruit should point back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Bottom line, the finances that you have, the house that you have, um, the, the wisdom that you have, the knowledge you have, the whatever it may be is the work of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it should point back to Jesus Christ. This is why we don't want to shy away from our generosity. We give because Christ gave to us. We tithe because Christ gave to us. We contribute to missions. We contribute to uh, different church plants because of what Christ has done for us us and we should not stop being generous and allow our fruit to point back to Jesus Christ. And then the third thing is you see that Paul, um, he desperately loves his companions, his community that God has called him to. And City Church, I want you to know, I love you guys. I love this community beyond belief. It keeps me up at night literally kept me up last night just thinking about our church community. Um, that's why I've got dark circles under my eyes. Kid you not. Couldn't sleep. Thinking about the community. Love you guys. Um, I want to challenge all of us to press into gospel-centered community. And one of the best ways we can do this is by uh, when we can, and we're not dealing with ice everywhere, attend in-person worship experiences and attend house churches and get involved in serving in groups and get involved in what God is doing in our community. Because it's those gospel-centered relationships, that accountability that's around you, that is going to foster the spiritual growth that God desires for you. Listen, I have been so fortunate and so blessed by God allowing ferocious men in my life to challenge me, uh, to call me up, to hold me accountable, uh, and to push me and to encourage me whenever I am down. And it wouldn't be that case if it wasn't for me leaning into gospel-centered community. And so gospel community is messy, but in the middle of the mess, God ends up doing something beautiful. And I want to challenge all of us to do that this year. So look, as I wrap up, um, thank you for joining us today. Let's learn to walk in forgiveness. Let's press into community. Let's labor for the gospel. And ultimately, let's see Jesus Christ transform the city of Albany and beyond. So look, if you need more information about anything, visit us at citychurchalbany.com. Uh, and then we want to invite you to engage, engage into a house church, engage into serving, engage into what God is doing this season as we prepare for where he's going to take us at the end of 2022. We love you guys. Stay safe out there. Stay warm. Have a cup of coffee, cup of uh, hot cocoa, and uh, just have a blessed day. And we will see you next Sunday in person um, at 11 Cornell Road in Latham.